0: Section 37 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe Translated by Samuel Gray Ward Section 37 The Pictures of Philostratus PART 14. HERCULES AND TELEPHUS We now find the hero in the tenderest relation, that of father and son, another instance of the flexibility of Grecian imagination. We find the hero at the highest point of humanity. Unfortunately, the necessity of representing religious occurrences has deprived modern art of its fairest subjects as a relation of father to son, fosterer to fostered, instructor to pupil, of which ancient art has bequeathed to us the most exquisite examples. The lover of art has only to open the volume of Herculean antiquities, to convince himself of the excellence of the picture which we are now called to speak of. Here stands Hercules, heroically appointed, none of his renowned attributes wanting. The club serves him to lean upon, covered with the lion's skin that hangs from it. He holds the quiver and arrows beneath his arm. He stands at rest, his left hand behind him, his feet crossed, his back towards us, turning round his head, adorned with crown and fillet, and looking at the same time at the little child who is sucking at the doe. The child and doe bring us back to Myron's cow. Here is an equally beautiful, nay a more elegant sentimental group than that not so completely self-centered as the other because it makes a part of a greater whole the boy looks at his father as he sucks he is half grown a not unconscious heroic child how admirably is the remainder of the picture filled up an eagle stands solemn in the centre a lion is lying on one side to signify that this mountain-top is through demonic and heroic presence become a peaceful paradise but how shall we address this female form that stands in such mighty repose opposite the hero it is the heroine of the mountain her look is fixed like that of a mask and after the daemon want taking no part in what occurs the crown of flowers upon her head has reference to the blooming plains of the landscape the basket of grapes and pomegranates to the garden-like abundance of the hills and the fawn by her side shows the excellent pasture that the heights afford. He, too, has reference to the qualities of the place, without participation in the beauty and tenderness of the passing scene. On the other side, a winged goddess accompanies the hero, now become a father, crowned as he is. She has shown him the way through the wilderness, and now points out to him the strange nursing, and the happy growth of his son. We do not name her, but the ears of corn she bears, indicate her office of nourishing and fostering care. Perhaps it was she who provided the hind for the suckling child. Every artist ought once in his life to attempt this picture, to try and see how far it is possible to restore what it loses in the relation, without doing injury to the leading idea of the self-contained composition. Then the question would arise how the characters could be supported and exalted. This picture, completely carried out in all its parts, would furnish the most unanswerable proof of the cultivation and skill of the artist. Hercules and Teodamas In the hero, whose highest merit lies in his mighty limbs, it is natural to expect an appetite commensurate with his work, and thus we find this attribute celebrated and depicted. Once, being overcome with hunger, it was towards evening in the roughest part of the Isle of Rhodes, inhabited by the Lindians, He finds a husbandman turning up a wretched piece of land with a plowshare. Hercules tries to bargain for his oxen, but the man will not let them go. The hero takes one without ceremony, kills and cuts it up, makes a fire, and begins to prepare a savory meal. Here he stands, his attention absorbed by the meat which is broiling on the coals. He seems to wait with the greatest appetite for it to be done, and to quarrel with the fire for cooking it so slowly. The content that overspreads his visage seems to be nowise disturbed when the husbandman enraged at the loss of his useful beasts falls upon him with curses and stones the demigod stands before us in the grand form of hercules the countryman is an old rough rugged robust man his body is clothed leaving only the knees and arms bare to show his strength the lindians in memory of this occurrence from that time forth did honour to Hercules by curses and stone-throwing, and he, in his inexhaustible good nature, gave them in return a thousand blessings. When art busies itself long with a subject, even the most dignified, it at last masters it completely, and extracts from it a light and comic side. Such was the origin of the present picture. The subject is a very alluring one to work upon a clear heroic nature, standing in contrast with rude, violent physical forces, the one full of repose, but inspiring confidence by his form, the other striking by his energetic action. If we now consider the surrounding objects, the second ox still at the plow, the patch of turned up soil, the neighboring rocks happily illuminated by the fire, would not this in every sense constitute a worthy companion to Ulysses among the Cyclops? HERCULES, AND Admetus. With this serene picture, we conclude our present labours. It was sketched some years since by a true fellow-labourer in the field of art, as an experiment how far we can approach the antique treatment of such subjects. The picture is about twice as long as it is broad, and contains three separate groups which are artistically connected. In the midst seats Hercules, of gigantic stature, leaning on a pillow, and by this posture brought into proportion with the other standing figures the table before him and the wine-vessel thrown on one side speak of the great satisfaction he has enjoyed and which would have been enough for any one else but a new meal must be spread for the hero in which service we see three serving-men busied one of them is ascending the steps with an enormous roast upon a mighty dish another seems hardly able to bear the heavy bread-basket they meet the third bound for the cellar swinging an emptied can by the handle and clattering with the cover he seems to be not altogether pleased with the thirst of the mighty guest all three appear to speak with discontent of the hero's freedom who is snapping his fingers that favourite expression of careless content among the ancients on his left stands admetus offering a bowl with the quiet manner of a friendly host thus hiding from his guest the sad scene which is separated from the above described space by a curtain but is exposed to the spectator from this dark corner where a number of disconsolate women mourn their departed mistress a boy steps forth who takes his father by the cloak to draw him in to participate in the unhappy event in his family the inner and outer are connected by the form and action of this child and the eye gladly returns to the guest and the servants on the broad platform in front and the field beyond them where you see a domestic Busy cutting in pieces a swine that hangs up to signify the inordinate appetite of the guest, and alluding playfully to the impossibility of appeasing it. But it is impossible to express in words either the well matured composition, the grace of detail, or the happy effect of contrast in light, shade, and color, and we therefore hope to have an opportunity to present to the lovers of art an engraving from it that may illustrate, and if possible, justify by example our previous remarks if the reader will now bestow a glance upon the specification wherein we enumerated the hold of the philostratic pictures he will share our regret at being obliged to break off in the midst of so agreeable an exhibition our preliminary labours lay many years useless a fortunate moment enabled us to take them in hand once more may what we have brought forward be not only read and figured to the imagination but be translated into the active powers of young men Such examples are of more service than all the maxims in the world, and which, after all, each one interprets according to his own notions. For these examples carry the senses with them, upon which everything depends, and quicken where there is room for quickening. End of section 37. Recording by Todd.